Hello and welcome to the Rev Thinking Podcast. Today is Wednesday, August the 10th. Our topic today is why small studios struggle. Welcome to Rev Thinking. Rev Think leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Now here's your host, Joel Pilger. Hi, it's Joel. Welcome to the Rev Thinking Podcast. Today we're answering the question, why small studios struggle? You know, last week I published an article at Rev Thinking, our blog, trying to answer this question and just give some people uh, some insights into what I've seen in the industry of why it's so hard for owners of small studios to get ahead, to break out, to get to the next level. It's just really tough. And well, wow, that article kind of blew up. A um, couple thousand reads, some really good comments, feedback, started some really uh, healthy conversations. So I thought, you know, why not dedicate a podcast to expanding on that article a bit and sharing it with a wider audience? So today we're going to dive in and just ask the question, what is it that is so hard about running a small studio? And what are the two big habits that can make a difference to move your firm forward? And by small studio, I'm going to say if you're a studio under a million dollars, so you might be a motion design studio or a production company um, doing well under a million dollars in annual revenue, that I'm going to label you as a, a small studio. And you're in a particularly tough spot. So let's begin. If you do run a small creative studio and you've been struggling, well, I've been there and I actually remember exactly how it feels. And I know one thing for sure that it's uh, it's really exhausting. And you know, RevThink we call this the push season, and this is one of the what we call seasons of a creative firm. Um, there are a variety of seasons where you start your firm and it grows and evolves and goes through a lot of different changes. But we call this the push season, just simply because you have to push like crazy just to get through it. Well, you may remember back when you were so excited to finally step up and run your own studio. You know, you were probably a freelancer, uh, and then maybe you created your own entity, and now you're operating as a studio. But what you find out, of course, is that once you start taking on projects as a business, as a company, under a name, that you now are actually responsible for all seven ingredients of, of running a successful business. And those seven ingredients are, let me see if I can list them off here. Uh, they are entrepreneurship, it's marketing, it's sales, it's doing the work. Hello, that's pretty obvious. But then there's production, and then there's finance, and even operations, right? And any one of those areas can take down your business. You know, just pick any one of those. And if you're not good in that area, it can kill you. But in this push season that you're in, you're finding that you need to do all of those things and you're responsible for all of those areas, but you really just don't have the money to pay for all the support you need. So you might even find yourself saying, man, I kind of miss the good old days when I was just a freelancer. You know, I just had to do the work and a little bit of billing and, you know, show up uh, and schmooze a little bit now and then that was it. Well, obviously nobody enters this, this push season or even aims to stay there by design. Because really, in addition to being overwhelming, it's really unsustainable. 
So as a consultant with RevThink, you know, we're fortunate we get to connect with creative entrepreneurs from all around the country and, and even around the world. And we get asked for our advice, obviously, all the time. And a lot of small, young firms who feel stuck, you know, they'll come up to me and they'll, they'll ask, okay, should I hire a salesperson? Or, hey, maybe um, I'm thinking about leasing an office space so that I can take on bigger projects, you know, and pursue bigger clients. And sometimes I'm asked, hey, should I go out and get more projects to increase my revenue, right? That's, that's kind of a given. But the answer to each of those questions is actually no. Well, why? I mean, because growing your business without first implementing healthy habits, you're going to grow your current problems too. And, you know, amplifying those problems is just going to have you failing or falling. <laughs> those, you know, the, either of those words work interchangeably. They, you're going to be falling back to the devil you know, and that's this push season that we talk about. And it can create a vicious cycle because you're wanting to get out of it, but you don't really have the money and resources to do so. You finally take a risk, but you haven't cured your habits. So you fall back and say, well, that didn't work. I'm going to go back to what I know. And that is workaholism and just, you know, toughing it out. Well, here, what do I recommend? I would say instead, we should fix the underlying problems, right? And there are two problems that every, well, almost every small studio that's stuck below 1 million that they need to stop doing, okay? Two things. And this is based on talking to, you know, a couple hundred owners and observing this across the industry. So what are the two things? Well, the first thing is you got to stop taking on every project that comes your way. The second thing is you've got to stop giving it away. Now, I'll explain what those mean in more detail as we go here. But let me just say that I can already hear you right now saying, whoa, 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 this is really unrealistic. You know, you as an owner, you're protesting and saying, but I've got to take on every project or else I'm going to go under. Or you might be saying, I have to over deliver or else my clients, they're going to take their business elsewhere. Well, instead of lecturing you about the problems that you should be avoiding, let's, let's take a different look at this. Let's look at it from a positive side. Okay, there are two key habits that you can adopt right now that I know are proven to consistently move small firms forward. So let's not talk about what you should stop doing. Let's talk about what you should start doing. Okay, two habits. The first habit is something that I affectionately call the three R's. Okay. This is a habit that it's going to help you stop taking on every single project that comes your way. What the three R's are is a simple tool that help you decide in advance what types of projects are right for your firm. So before you accept any given project, you know, when you're just starting to talk with a client who has a potential project or something, you're already starting to think about three things. And what are the three things? They're the three R's. The first R is real. Is this project going to increase our portfolio and our, our reputation? The second R is relationship. Is this project going to increase repeat business from this client? Number three, the third R is reward. And that's simple. Is this project going to generate increased profits, right? Are we going to make money off this thing? So now think about it. If a project has all three of the R's, 
you just grab it. You put everything you can into nailing that project, getting it awarded, and take it down because those are always really successful. But if a project only hits on two of those three R's, you need to take a pause before you accept it. If it only hits on one of those R's, I say turn it down. And I would even just add that if it hits on none of those R's, then there's something called the fourth R, which stands for run, because you do not want to take on that project. No way. Okay, so, but how does this work? Like, how would this habit of the three R's propel your firm forward? Well, I, what I see is that it cures you of your addiction of taking on projects simply because, well, that's what we've always done. And it also helps lay a groundwork for your firm's next season, right? Where your firm is headed, because at that next level, you are unquestionably going to need a strong, narrowly focused portfolio of a certain type of work. You're also going to need a loyal client base, and you're also going to need profitability, right? So you're going to need all three of those R's as you get to the next level. And hey, who doesn't have those kinds of goals anyways, right? All right, now, habit number two. Habit number two is what I call split the money. Now, this is something that when you're talking to a client and you're being awarded a project, where do we start? Well, from a financial standpoint, your goal is always to make sure you get as much money as possible out of the client, right? Just do whatever you have to do to get the maximum budget out of the client, okay? And then once you do that, you take that proposal that you just got awarded and you throw it in the trash, okay? Because you're gonna start over. So to stop, quote, giving it away, and by that I mean like chronically over-delivering constantly on every single job, what you're gonna do is create a new production plan where you split the money, okay? Spend about half of the money on your firm, and that's like salary, it's overheads, it's profits. But the remaining half goes to the project. Now, you might be thinking, whoa, are you kidding? Only spend about half the money on the project? And I'm telling you, yes. Because I can tell you, all high-performance firms master this habit. While the smaller firms, they tend to spend upwards of, I don't know, 70, 80, 90% of their revenue on project costs, okay? And it's no wonder that they can't afford those resources that they need to get out of this push season, right? At RevThink, we call this maintaining the splits. And this habit, it's so critical that we actually work like really closely with our clients to set the proper ratios. And then we monitor projects as part of a weekly routine to make sure that we're hitting those numbers. It's just the most basic and important of routines. Well, you're, at, you're wondering, okay, so how does this move my firm forward? What it does is it puts pressure on you to get creative, find ways to charge more and keep more, okay? But at the same time, you're still solving the client's problems. This in turn helps you run a healthy, profitable business. And then you can afford the support that you need so that you as the owner can focus on your genius and you're not wearing all seven of those hats I described earlier. And charging higher fees also forces you to up the quality of your creative and of your process, right? Because if you're gonna charge more, you'd better be good. You'd better be great. But you know what? Isn't that one of your goals anyways? So you can see how this habit helps reinforce goals that you've already got anyways. So does this work? Yes, 
it works. And I know this because small studio owners have been sharing some of their thoughts and talking about how the advice has been making an impact. And here's actually what some of them have said, all right? Somebody said, implementing the three R's took us from 250 projects one year down to only 50 projects the next year, and we made more money. So riddle me that. That's an amazing shift. Who wouldn't want to do fewer, better projects and make more money? Somebody else told me, you know, maintaining strong splits on projects and running each project through the three R's has been huge. And yet someone else shared this with me. In our first six months of adopting these habits, we tripled our average project revenue. Pretty incredible, you know? I mean, for me, it's obviously super satisfying to see this knowledge helping the industry become stronger and help these, help these owners. So, you know, it can, it can be done and you can do it. Now, I will say that putting the three R's and the splits into practice, it won't be easy, right? I know, I know, I've been there and it's scary. But try adopting these habits and just see if the results don't start making how you run your firm much, much easier. And I'm certainly going to look forward to watching you and your firm escape the push season as you take back control of your firm and, hey, take back control of your life, right? Because you've got to have a healthy work-life balance. You and I will both look forward to seeing a happier and healthier you, which awaits in the punch season. Well, with that, I thank you for listening. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, hey, how do I get in touch with RevThink or find out more? Uh, I'll just leave you a couple parting places to find us and find me. Um, on the web, you can visit us at RevThink.com. We're also on Facebook now. You can follow us on our RevThinking page. So just go to Facebook and search RevThinking. Uh, we're also on iTunes. You might even be listening to us there um, or SoundCloud. Just look for the Rev Thinking podcast. And you can find me personally um, on Twitter. You can find me under the handle Joel Pilger. And of course, you can always reach out to me personally at joel at revthink.com. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to seeing you adopt these two habits and stop the struggle of your small studio. Thanks for listening to RevThinking. For more insights on running your creative studio or to ask us a question, visit RevThink.com. We'd love to hear from you.